Get your fill of baseball news and beer reviews at foulballarea.com. Follow our blog for the latest news around the baseball world and read about some of our favorite ballpark beers. Tune into the podcast every Wednesday as we take a deep dive into the topics of the day. Stay connected by signing up for our mailing list or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Foulball Area. Now, here's today's episode of the Foulball Area Podcast with Matthew Atkins and Trey Lyle. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Foulball Area Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Atkins, alongside my co-host, Trey Lyle, and we've got a lot of stuff to get into today. It was the MLB trade deadline has passed. We've seen all kinds of deals go down, some blockbuster deals, some minor deals, but all kinds of trades have happened. Uh, Players in new places. We got all kinds of changes going on around Major League Baseball. It was a wild deadline. A lot of stuff to get into, a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, And we got some sad news that we have to talk about uh, to kick things off today on today's episode. Vin Scully, the legendary Dodgers broadcaster who spent 67 years broadcasting for the team, has passed away at the age of 94. The Dodgers announced his death last night, uh, went or Tuesday night. It was um, a surprise at least to me, I think probably to most people. And it was a, a sad moment, sad way to end the night. Um, Trey, I know Vince Coley for me was kind of a, a, an inspiration, you know, us as journalism students and, you know, broadcasters, he was a big inspiration. And one of the reasons that I got into broadcasting, he was someone that I wanted to, wanted to be like in my broadcasting career. So seeing him pass away is a really uh, sad moment. He's simply the greatest broadcaster of all time. I mean, he, the iconic moments he, he called, whether it was, you know, the Kirk Gibson who run to even outside of baseball, the catch, he, he was the voice of the catch, which is one of the most iconic plays in the history of football. Um, you know, my first memory of Vince Scully was he was the voice of the first baseball video game I ever got. It was a Christmas present for my dad. I think it was MLB 2004. And and I remember just playing it. And I remember hearing Vince Scully's voice and how iconic it was. And, you know, then as I got older and knew what I wanted to do and understand it more, you realize the kind of impact that Vince Scully had. I mean. This was the man who called Jackie Robinson. Like he was part of the most one of the most iconic franchises in the sport, the Dodgers. And all these moments he called and just the impact he had amongst every broadcaster that's out there is is incredible. I mean, he's definitely part of the Mount Rushmore broadcasters. I mean, you could argue he's the voice of baseball. Like that's how big of an impact he did just for being with one team, which he did call, you know, he did call national games, but Vince Scully is a legend. It's, it's just kind of like his impact is so big on the game of baseball and it it is, it's sad to see him go, but you know, he was 94 and his life. I like to remember people's lives more than, in these moments and his life was incredible and and so lucky just to been able to hear some of it and and then you know obviously go back and luckily there's youtube where you can go back and listen to all his iconic calls over the years and it's it's kind of incredible like i i always loved when 
you know, Jackie Robinson Day come up and you would hear Vince Scully talk about it and just kind of his understanding of that moment and and what led into it, it, it is always just pretty amazing. Yeah, the sport of baseball is just really lucky to have had him uh, in in the game. You just got to respect, you know, the, the longevity of his career. 67 years with the same team broadcasting for the team is just an amazing career. And, you know, it, it helps that he was with the Dodgers and they have had a lot of iconic moments, but he also helped make those moments into the iconic moments that they are, the way that he described them. Uh, and I remember when we were in college, we were taking a play-by-play class with Bill Roth, and you know he brought up Vince Scully multiple times, some examples of games that he had called and moments that he had broadcasted and said, you know, this is really how you have to do it if you're going to do baseball. You have to describe the game. You have to tell a story because baseball is a, you know, it's a slower game than some of the other sports, and so there's a lot of downtime, and you have to fill that time but you have to do it well. And Vince Scully did it the best. He was such a great storyteller. He was so good at describing what he was seeing. And if you listen on the radio, you could really see it as well through listening to his broadcast. So uh, yeah, the sport of baseball is just so lucky to have had him as a part of the game and he's going to be missed tremendously, but he did have a great career and we, yeah, he's just, he's one of the best, if not the best broadcaster of all time. If you think about this, like you think of the top five most iconic calls in sports, he's got two of them, right? He uh, or yeah. not in baseball. Well, you could argue in sports, he's got three, but at least two of them in baseball: the Hank Aaron home run, and then the Kirk Gibson home run. Yeah, like just think about that. Like that shows like he was really good at his job, and it's it's sad to see him go, but man what a life he lived and and what an important man he was for the game of baseball. Exactly. Yeah. So we will miss Finn Scully, uh, someone that we have all looked up to, especially as aspiring broadcasters. He's been a big inspiration and a big icon throughout our lives and throughout a lot of people's lives. Uh, so yesterday was the MLB trade deadline. And like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, there were a lot of moves that went down a lot of, new faces on new teams all around the league. One real blockbuster trade, a couple of other bigger trades, but Trey, let's just get into it. You know, Juan Soto, I know the Philadelphia Phillies got Noah Syndergaard from the <laughs> Los Angeles Angels. Like, let's get into it. Thor is now with the Phillies. Oh, yeah. uh, was that the I, trade you're thinking of? That was not the one I was thinking of. That was oh, my good, bad. good one. Uh, Juan Soto is now a member of the San Diego Padres. I did not think he was actually going to get traded at this deadline. You know, there's no rush or there was no rush for the Nationals to trade him because they still had two and a half years of team control. I thought they'd wait until the offseason, but they went ahead and dealt him to the San Diego Padres. They got a massive haul back for him. What do you think about this trade? Juan Soto, the Padres, they sent Josh Bell over there with him and they got six players back. The real loser this trade is who's going to lose the NL East between the Braves and the Mets because they have to play. And you could throw Josh Hader into this because they got Josh Hader over the weekend as well. The loser between the, the Braves and the Mets will have to play either in San Diego or in New York or Atlanta, the Padres with this lineup and this pitching in a three game series. 
where you have to win two or three. Good luck. And I don't know if they're going to, I place them really kind of as the third best team right now with this addition. Like, I think this is a move that sets them up, you know, obviously for the next couple of years, because Soto is four years of team control. But if you look at it this year, I think they're the third best team behind the Yankees and the Dodgers. Uh, that's kind of where I position them right now. But this was a move that the Padres have kind of worked towards over the last couple of years with their great drafting and their ability to accumulate farm talent. And they've shown they're not afraid to take big swings for things. You look at Machado, ironically, you look at Eric Cosmer, who almost was a national yesterday. Um, you look at you Darvish and all the moves they've kind of made. It's built up to this kind of, this kind of move where, they want to win and you get a guy like Juan Soto and your core for the next could be for the next 10 years for at least the next four Fernando Tatis and, and Juan Soto is pretty good. And I, you know, if you're San Diego, I love the move. I mean, I get what the Nats are doing. I personally think the Nats should just try to figure it out with a once in a generation type talent. I think the Nats, they get a lot of good, good players back, but, you're not replacing Juan Soto. And I think the Bryce Harper fear was just so big in this one because they, you know, Bryce Harper was a once in a generation type player and they got lost him for nothing. And they were afraid that was going to happen again. So they kind of struck while the iron was hot instead of waiting this out and seeing if they could fix it. And, and this is what happened. Yeah. So here's the, uh, the, details of the trade. Juan Soto and Josh Bell go to the Padres. The Nationals get back. Luke Voigt, C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, Robert Hassel III, James Wood, and Harleen Susana. So pretty good haul for the Nationals. Uh, there were some reports early on that Eric Hosmer was going to be part of the trade, but the Nationals were one of the teams that were part of the no-trade clause in his contract. And so there were some reports that the trade hinged on him approving it, Turns out that wasn't exactly the case. They just took him out and replaced him with Luke Voigt. So, um, and sent Eric Hosmer to Boston. Yeah, Eric Hosmer ended up getting traded later to the Red Sox. A couple of things here. You know, the Padres lineup is going to be stacked. Juan Soto is going to be in the top three of their lineup. Josh Bell is probably going to be the cleanup hitter. It's just an insane lineup right now, and I think it could rival the Dodgers. Uh, I don't think they're going to catch the Dodgers in the standings this year, but I do think the Padres are definitely going to be a wild card team and probably make a postseason run. So absolutely stacked lineup for the Padres for the nationals. It, you know, you got to feel for nationals fans. They have lost Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon, Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, Juan Soto in the past couple of years, there might be someone, I feel like there's someone else I'm forgetting team. Harper, Rendon, Scherzer, Soto, Turner, yeah, they've lost all those guys in the past couple of years. They did win a World Series. You, uh, like, they did. So, you know, that that's the pinnacle of the game. That's what you hope for. They won the World Series. They are rebuilding now, just three years later. They've lost their core. A lot of them were young players that they thought maybe they'd be able to keep around for a little bit, and they weren't able to. And so I got a feel for Nationals fans because you, you want to keep those players around. You want them to be, you know, long-term faces of the franchise, like a Ryan Zimmerman type player. Unfortunately for them, none of them are going to be there all gone now. So you got to feel for the Nationals fans. The other thing about this trade, how mad do you think Luke Voigt is at Eric Hosmer? Because Luke Voigt was 
playing for the Padres. He's on a contending team, a team that has a legitimate shot at making a deep postseason run. And now he's on the worst team in baseball. All because Eric Cosmer didn't want to go there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel bad for Nats fans because yesterday was a double whammy because, you know, you, you trade Soto and everything is great. You know, that's not great. And then, oh, who do you play? Oh, just the uh, debuting Jacob DeGrom in his first game of the season. Good luck with that. Um, so it worked and- out for them, though. They did win, but he did throw. He he did look pretty solid. It was a classic Jacob Degrom start where he had a, a fantastic he dominates, start, and then the bullpen he dominates, gets pulled, and then the bullpen. Yes, so that is that is true, but still, that's not not exciting. It, you got to face <laughs> Jacob Degrom after all of this. So, yeah, but, the uh, the Juan Soto trade. It, that's definitely the biggest one, and I think going to have the biggest impact at this deadline. It could, yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I, I think long term it definitely will. I think some of the the pitchers that got traded might have a more playoff impact because pitching is so big in the playoffs. Um, but I, I think ultimately, you know, a top five player in in all of baseball getting traded to to a contending team is. Is definitely kind of you know this is the biggest trade probably in the history of baseball. Like, I think this trade we're going to talk about for the next you know ten plus years, depending on how the Soto if Soto gets the extension with the Padres. Um, but if you're the San Diego Padres, let's just say you only have these four years, you have to win a World Series the next four years to make this worth it, or oh, because. If you lose him, like let's say in two years he doesn't sign an extension, well, what do the Padres do? Do they trade him again to try to get some assets back? Like what? What is your option? You know they could. They could It'll be interesting. It's Each interesting. Our- I mean, they also got Brandon. Um, Brandon, sorry, I was just gonna say the Padres. You know, if you want to say won the deadline, sure they got. Yeah. You know, obviously Josh Hader, one of the best closers in baseball. But I think an underrated move is they got Brennan Drury from the Reds, who's having a career year. And that could be a type of guy that could be your unsung hero in the playoffs just because he's playing so well and he's a hot bat. And you throw him, he might be in the middle of that lineup, fifth or sixth. He's really good defensively and he's going to help help them out there. And so that that's kind of that was an underrated move the Padres made that I liked a lot um, yesterday. Yeah, they did have a very busy deadline, probably the winners of the trade deadline. So they are uh, looking to load up and make a run at the uh, NL West or just the postseason this year. So they are stacked now. Uh, Each of our favorite teams had a pretty busy deadline. The Yankees, they traded for Andrew Benintendi, Frankie Montas, Harrison Bader, Scott Efros, and Lou Trevino. Got some good arms out of the deadline, got a good outfielder, and they got rid of Joey Gallo. So pretty busy deadline by the Yankees. Uh, what do you like about these moves that they made over the past couple of days? I think they did what kind of what they've been doing. You know, this is their theme, especially with that Jordan Montgomery trade for, for the center fielder from the, the Cardinals in uh, Harrison Bader, a really good, you know, defensive center fielder. 
I think they wanted to improve pitching and they wanted to improve defensively because they knew they had the offense. And, you know, you get Benatendi, who is a is really good defensively and is a really good bat and is hitting over 300 this year. And I like that move. You get, you get Harrison, Harrison Bader, who's a really good defensive center fielder that basically allows judge not to play center field as much, which is probably going to be a little less taxing on him as we go down the stretch, which is, is one way to kind of help him keep this momentum, but also not overextend him because he has played center field this year phenomenally which at six seven is incredible to think about just shows kind of the freak athlete he is but so i like that you get montas you get another starting pitching which you need and you bolster your bullpen with two really good bullpen guys who are performing well this year so i think the yankees kind of filled the needs that they did um they didn't get uh pablo lopez from the marlins obviously and they didn't get luis castillo which is probably the best was the best starting pitcher on the market so, uh, but I think overall, they've kind of bolstered what they needed to bolster. It stayed with the theme of what they've wanted to do since the offseason, which is improve defensively. And I, I think they, they've made the right moves to be able to content, keep contending and become, you know, win the World Series. Yeah, so the Yankees had a busy deadline. The Braves, pretty busy. They didn't make any huge moves or trade for any big name players, but surprisingly, I was honestly surprised when I saw this this morning, MLB.com has them as the number two winners of the trade deadline. Uh, they made a last minute trade for closer Rizal Iglesias from the Angels. So that'll actually be a pretty good move, being able to pair him up with Kenley Jansen in the late innings of a game. Facing those two guys would be pretty tough for opposing hitters. They also traded for Robbie Grossman, Ere Adrianza, Jake Odorizzi. So they got another uh, arm for the rotation. They got a couple of bench players that can come off the bench and play in the outfield, utility guys. They also signed Austin Riley to a 10-year, $212 million extension. So he is locked up for the next decade, given the season that he's having and the season that he had last year, really, as well. That is a great move by the Braves, and that alone would have been enough at this trade deadline because he is arguably the best third baseman in the National League right now. I know we talked about this before the All-Star game because he didn't initially make the All-Star team, and I thought that he should have over uh, Nolan Arenado, at least. So I'm really happy that they got him locked up for the next decade. I think that it's going to be a really good move. They have now four of their core players locked up long-term. Ozzy Albies, Ronald Acuna Jr., Matt Olson, and Austin Riley. So I'm feeling pretty good about the Braves. They are doing what the Nationals should have done with their core players, but they are actually getting it done. And I'm really happy with the way things are turning out for them. So locking up Austin Riley to that long-term deal, a good move by the Braves. But yeah, they made a couple of small moves at the deadline. They got a, a rotation arm. They got a bullpen arm and a couple of utility players. So I'm happy with the way that they turned out. And uh, I, I am surprised that MLB.com had them ranked this high on the list of winners at the deadline, but I'll take it. Yeah, I really liked what the the moves the Braves made. They kind of, you know, went under the radar with the moves they made and and was calculated with it. I, I think a, a team I really liked that did is surprisingly the Phillies. You know, they added David Robinson to Wissenegaard and, and Edmonds Sosa because they really needed pitching. You know, they that's desperately needed. They get Syndergaard to add to the rotation and they bolster the uh, a much-needed bullpen. And then they get a center fielder in Brandon Marsh, which they needed. So, 
I, I liked what what the Phillies did. I you know will they become that third wild card team? We'll see, but I think they made the moves necessarily to get themselves in position to make the postseason. Yeah, um, Noah Syndergaard. I kind of expected him to be traded, and then I, I think you know six o'clock came. That was the the deadline, and he hadn't been traded yet but I think it was one of those moves that happened at the last minute and just took a few minutes for the news to actually come out and so a few minutes after six o'clock they announced that Syndergaard was sent to the Phillies good for the Phillies I guess you know I guess the Noah Syndergaard experiment in Anaheim didn't really work out and um, I think at this point we can give up on our hopes any last remaining hopes that we had of the angels making the playoffs this year. I mean, they, they traded away Noah Syndergaard, Brandon Marsh, Rice L. Iglesias. I don't think they're going to have any success the rest of the season. And Brandon Marsh, he's a, he's a good outfielder, you know, he's a good player. And so I think that the angels have given up at this point. And it's really sad because they started out the season so well. And I had such high hopes for them, especially with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, but it's over their season is pretty much done at this point. So, you know, with the Angels, I thought there were rumors that, you know, Otani was getting traded. The Yankees were a team that were involved, uh, a couple others. Like, did that set him up to be traded this offseason? I think so. And I think that's going to be the story of the offseason going ahead. But, yeah, I I have no faith in this organization. Obviously, you know, the story came out that it appears Mike Trout's going to have a chronic back issue and, you know, he's seeing specialists and it appears it's going to be okay. Like he came out and said it's going to be okay, but that's something that's not ideal, especially when you're paying him a, you know, a 13 year, 13 year, 500, whatever million dollar contract, $400 million contract. Uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, the angels have mismanaged this with the, maybe the greatest player we've ever seen and the greatest talent we've ever seen and the most unique player we've ever seen. And two of the best players in baseball, maybe the two best players in baseball, and they've mismanaged it from outside of the rest of it. And, you know, it leads to these kind of moves on uh, trade deadline. They're not they're not going to clearly make the playoffs. And and I, I just think, uh, yeah, I'm not shocked by it. But I, I want to get your opinion about this because I, I, this is I thought the most intriguing team during the deadline. And I actually like what they did was the Baltimore Orioles. You know, they obviously the big was the trade of trade Mancini. They were sellers at the deadline. Other than Brett Phillips, yeah, they brought Brett Phillips in, and I think that was the right move to make. Despite the season, there, like they could have made the wild card. They're two and a half games out. They easily, if they stayed packed, could make the wild card. But I think if you were the Orioles, this is ahead of schedule of where you want to be, and you can't deviate off your plan because if they they made certain moves, I think in the long run it would have kind of stunted their growth of what they want to develop and how they want to develop. So if I really like the Orioles kind of stuck to their plan, they obviously traded, you know, saved money by trading Trey Mancini, which was only two and a half million dollars, but for the Orioles, that's a lot, but I, I get why they kind of were sellers because, Hey, we're building, we have great prospects. Let's just, you know, if we make the playoffs, that's great. That's ahead of schedule, but we're not going to change our plan just because we might be able to make a wild card, even though we don't have a roster that's going to win the World Series. Yeah, I I agree with that. You know, yeah, 
like you said, they have a plan. They have a timeline for when they think they're going to be able to contend. If they were to, you know, deviate from that and go all in this year, that could end up throwing things off and then they wouldn't be able to compete in the coming years, which is when they think they're going to be able to. So I think it's kind of like, oh, you know, if we make a wild card spot this year and make the playoffs, then great. That's awesome. But we still are going to be prepared for the future and being able to contend in the coming seasons. So I think that they probably did make the right call. Um, you know, yeah, you can't deviate from the plan just because you're all of a sudden on a hot streak and might make the, the postseason as a wild card team. So I think you're right. I think they have to stick with it, you know, trust the process, as Joel Embiid would say, and go with the, the timeline that they had planned to try to win in a couple of years. If they make the playoffs this year, great. That's awesome. But it's not the year that they're going to be able to really contend for a World Series championship. So, yeah, it's sad to see Trey Mancini leave Baltimore um, and go to the Astros, such a such a good guy on a team that has been marred by controversy in recent years. Sad to see him leave Baltimore, but they did what they had to do. Any other uh, trades that you like that kind of flew under the radar that you uh, you want to talk about? Uh, Christian Vasquez of the Red Sox got traded. He was the longest tenured player on the Red Sox, and he got traded this week. So that was, you know, it's always sad when you have someone who has been with the team for a long time, you know, like Mancini that we were just talking about, and they get traded away at the deadline for, you know, whatever reason. And he was talking to reporters when he found out he got traded. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he got traded, you know, who, who, who did he go to the Astros? Yeah. They were playing yeah. the Astros yeah. that night. So he's, yeah. He's, so he just walked like, across the field. It was like movie. It was like Moneyball when the guy literally just changed, you know, they traded for a guy who they were playing with. And he said, tell him to pick, get his stuff and walk, walk across the, to the locker room. Yeah, it was just like that. He just just walked across the field, joined the Astros. I think the same thing happened at Ben Attending because uh, when he got traded, the Royals like the day it was the day before they were you know there was the Subway Series and then the Yankees had a four game set in New York against the Royals. So Ben Attendee played like the first night because he was already coming to New York with the Royals. So it's always interesting to see those kind of things happen. One trade that surprised me, Whit Merrifield got traded from the Royals to the Blue Jays. And if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, he was one of 10 Royals players that did not travel to Toronto because they weren't vaccinated. So I was about to mention that. Yeah, I, I think I don't it's, know if um, he got vaccinated in that time or what's going on, if he's planning on getting vaccinated. But that was a, a surprising trade to me. I I agree. I That was uh, something that was uh, interesting. I mean, I get why you would add a guy like Whit Merrifield. He's he's a really good, really solid player, but that is something I I uh I didn't expect to see. I will say this. We didn't talk about Luis Castillo, the best starting pitcher, going to the Mariners, which shocked me it was it was Seattle because you know, Seattle's trying to make the playoffs the first time in forever. And you get a guy with two years of, you know, control. But it was cool to see Seattle finally kind of do a move that will, 
you know, they have Robbie Ray. They have really good pitching staff, and they, you add Castillo to it, I think it helps. It gives you a kind of a postseason rotation. But it, it was just cool to see the Mariners kind of swing for the fences and, you know, and be like, hey, like, you know, last season you could argue they were a year ahead and in terms of their development. And I think they're right where they want to be, which is kind of a wild card team, you know, and make some noise in the postseason. And I think that's where they're at. And and it's it's going to be cool to see. I think over the next two years, they're going to be really good. And they're going to, I think they're going to be able to challenge Houston, especially with how the money's going to work in Houston. We'll see. So uh, I, I, I liked how the Mariners got Castillo. Yeah, I think that was a good move for them. And I think that uh, they're really making a push for it. They're really trying to make the postseason this year. So I hope that it works out for them. They're a team like the Angels that I want to see have some some actual success here. They've been deprived of it for a long time. I want to see it work out for them. Uh, one last thing before we sign off today for me, I'm really tempted next weekend, August 12th through 14th, the Padres come to D.C., play the Nationals. That would be a good game to go to. Juan Soto making his return. Someone was uh, who I met uh, ironically in D.C. at a, the Virginia Tech Sweet 16 was like, I'll give my tickets away. So I replied to the tweet. He said $80 a pop. So if if he gives if uh, if I have the chance to get both, I don't know. I just realized I can't go to the game. So you might be able to get the tickets for me because <laughs> I am covering the race at Richmond. So I will be I'll be in Richmond that weekend. So. So right, we'll, well, we'll I might be in happens. D.C. trying to see that game. But, yeah, um, that'll be an interesting series to, to look out for coming up. Yes, it will be. Yes, it will be. And shout out to all the contending teams that, especially the NL East teams, they get to play the Nats down the stretch. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. Give us your thoughts on the trade deadline at Trey Lyle underscore VT or at Trey Lyle VT, Trey Lyle underscore VT on Instagram, Trey Lyle VT on Twitter at Mackins in the news as well. Also foul ball area podcast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Also we're on the CBS sports radio Lynchburg page as well. As always, thank you so much for listening to the foul ball area podcast. Thanks for listening to the foul ball area podcast. Make sure to leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. So you get new episodes as soon as they come out.